Welcome back to Saturday Morning Mental Health and Entertainment. I'm Matthew. I'm Sebastian. Oh, I thought I was being introduced. My bad. I'm Tori. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Tori? I'm a human being. No, let, let, me, let me introduce <laughs> What do you her. mean? Who am I emotionally? Our guest here today is Tori Rice. Hello. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to thank all of our listeners. Our first episode was actually moderately successful. We have a pretty big audience, some of them around the world. I see you, Ireland. <laughs> yeah, um, take, like more than half of our... They do. They account listeners. for... Uh, what does the statistic here say? Well, 42%. Well, I did want to mention that my cousin that I spoke about last time, uh, in episode one that got me into Kung Fu movies, uh, Brian is his name. He actually has a podcast as well, or I guess he's starting one up soon or something like that. So shout out to Brian. When I get the name of it, I'll, I'll probably uh, give him another shout out so everybody can go listen to that one as well. That sounds great. If Brian wants to listen to this one, he'll up our Switzerland numbers. So I'm all for that. Yeah. <laughs> get that Get that 14% viewership up there. He's that percentage of Switzerland that's listening. That makes sense. Then he should tell some other people. Yeah. With our first episode being completed, we had a lot of positive feedback. I really appreciate everybody telling us how great it is or how interested they were in being guests over the coming weeks. We're very much planning on having some of you guys on to talk about your subjects, you know, whether it be mental health or entertainment. If you would like to participate in that, we now officially have a Twitter and a Facebook page. Both of them, you can either search the name Saturday Morning Mental Health and Entertainment, or you can find us at Morning Mental. Shameless plug for social media. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I say that uh, because one of the things that I, I really feel like helped me in a time where I wasn't doing too well before I was able to get to my therapist and my psychiatrist is I actually really backed away from social media. I deleted uh, the Reddit app and the Facebook app on my phone. Never really been one for Twitter. And my Instagram is really there kind of just to see what Sebastian you're doing or uh, other artists. Mm. Um, I follow a ton of comic book artists on Instagram. I really just, I like the, I like the pretty pictures. That's really all it is. You know, people like Rob Liefeld, Ryan Otley, uh, Jim Lee. Greg Capullo. Didn't I already say that? Did you? I if I didn't, no, no. definitely Greg Capullo. Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Well. That's who I was looking for. I love his uh, his behind the scenes videos he does. I've watched a lot of his drawing tutorials. He'll bust them out. And then on Sunday, he always does like a super sexy spawn or super sexy Spider-Man. Like I just, I love, I love listening to Todd McFarlane talk. He's, you can tell that even after being in the comic book industry for so long, he's still so passionate about something that he loves. Yeah, he definitely enjoys like every drawing. Oh yeah. And his drawing tablet technique is amazing. Like I think he has, yeah. I think he has a Cintiq. He's got one of the biggest uh, display tablets that I've seen, I think. Oh yeah, that thing's massive. Huge. I have a poster a while back, I saw the video of him drawing it on that tablet. I have the, uh, from Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag for the pre-order. One side of the poster was a map of the entire game. 
and the backside was a massive drawing of Edward Kenway that Todd McFarlane mm. did. And he showed his breakdown and his layers and everything on that tablet. And it's a blast to watch him draw. That's, I, I love his passion and his enthusiasm for all of his art stuff. So you're saying that keeping Instagram as one of the only, or if not the only app that you kept on your phone and seeing the artwork that like inspires you, keeps you feeling good, I it, guess. It really did because it, in, it inspired me because I've been doing some coloring on my tablet. I know Instagram is usually at the top of the list for like uh, body dysmorphia and, and body image issues. A lot of influencers if you will are either overly photoshopped or there's always some sort of controversy about them pushing some sort of miracle workout shake yeah belt program or something like a diet or something exactly but that's the thing i learned when i did get back to reddit because i'm back on it now but i cultivated and culled out a lot of the bullshit. I got rid of, I was in a vinyl buying subreddit. So it was always telling me like what vinyl was on sale this week or some sort of deal. And uh, from COVID-19, my company, we did a furlough. So I took a pay cut. So I was seeing on all these posts about a record that I wanted, or this was on sale or, or somebody had this and they were looking to sell it for cheap. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't have money or you don't, you can't, participate in that like you really feel left out or you feel like you're you're missing out on something i know i think that's called fomo the fear of missing out but when it comes to sales and stuff that's a whole different thing like things go on sale until they sell out you know it's supply and demand yeah especially for something you know i mean i know that you're passionate about your collection i am so that was part of my mental health okay. experience. Was getting rid of social media? Was, yeah, getting, getting yeah. Uh, selectively choosing what I look at on social media. I pulled myself out of specific subreddits and my Instagram has always just been artists and literally like drawing artists. I don't even really follow musician mm-hmm. artists because there's not anything to see. I think taking a break from social media is good for anybody. I mean, I, as a uh, freelance person in yeah, the, in us, the film industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so it's... Who are you? What do you do? I am Tori Rice. <laughs> I am the... In- I didn't mean that. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Okay. I'm in the film industry. Make movies, commercials, music videos, stuff like that. And it's really hard to not constantly second guess what you're doing. And because you're competing against everybody else that wants to to do the same job. I see people posting gigs that they're on and I'm like, man, I wish I could be on that. Or I wish I like the stuff I shoot looks like that. It's not at that level yet. Or I wish I had that budget or that experience. And so it's kind of super toxic. It's not even like they're being negative about it. You know, the people are just really excited about what they're doing, but sometimes it's literally people are just posting about things they're doing just to be like, hey, look at me and look at what I'm doing. It's not actually helping anybody. It's just bringing other people down behind the scenes, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't don't like that falsity. Like we were talking about with people that are, 
fitness people and, and then selling a lie to you. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't help anyone. And I think there, to your point, I think there's a fine line between seeing it as inspiration. Like you were saying, I, I wish my stuff looked like that. I wish I had that budget. That can always be a goal to strive to. But I definitely understand that, yeah, too much of it, you just kind of get fed up and you're like, I just, I can't handle this. And I've talked to people that have taken social media breaks. And I think, yeah, a lot of people put too much stock in what their social media presence is. Yeah. But it's also really hard because I get a lot of gigs from social media. I was just about to say it's a double-edged sword because I I know a girl who does makeup tutorials. Shout out Toy. She does makeup tutorials and she does a lot of business from Facebook and she does a lot of transactional stuff through Facebook. And so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you really, maybe if you're not happy with it, maybe don't totally move away from it, but change your not your settings, but like change your, change your environment, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's one thing when you're doing something because you enjoy it and doing something because you just want people to notice you, I guess. So like, even if you were to stop or let's say, take a break from like a social media setting, you can work on your craft and you can always come back and as long as you're confident and you're good, then your your clients are still going to be there. So it's not like letting the social media carry you, but rather using it to boost yourself. But you, you don't yeah. necessarily need it. Yeah. And, and then the only other reason I kind of even went back to social media was like, I have family members on there that I don't see regularly. Like, I have a handful of cousins that live like way up north and thinking about it, it's been about 10 years since I've seen all of them. I think the last time we all got together was from my grandfather's funeral and they now all have their own lives. They each have uh, husbands and uh, some of them have kids. Some of them have multiple kids. These are family members. These are people I love that I don't see on a consistent basis, but I, I get to see their kids and I get to see their family and I get to see them and know that they're okay. That was also kind of why I, I came back to it a little was because I remembered like why I initially set up a Facebook 15 years ago was to be social on a network and see people and talk to people that I knew. And, and instead now there's tons of fan pages and fan groups and stuff like that. And, and yeah, when I came back, I just, I unliked so many things and really changed the environment I was in. And it's weird that in social media, I find myself like, like scrolling through my Facebook and being like, who is this person? How did they meet them? Why are, why are yes. we friends? Actually, <laughs> funny you should say that. You and I have an acquaintance on Facebook. Like every time like you post, I'll see something and then it's like, there's a person that you and I know. And I'm like, I don't know how I know that person, but I've known that person. How do I know that person? And it's very weird to me. Huh. And I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know if I should name drop him. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I will say while we're on this topic, I remember when you posted that you were going to take a break off of Facebook at least. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was when, like, around the time you decided to come back to Facebook, that it was around that time that you had approached me about the podcast. Yeah. Um, um, I had to, to manage the Facebook page for this podcast. 
it's practically impossible to do from a web browser on your phone. And so I had to like load up the app again and, and log back in and create the page. And I was really hesitant about doing that. And I knew that if I was going to maintain this information, because people were looking to the page to find out release info or reach out and communicate. I mean, my buddy posted a couple of things about, you know, how he felt about it and he, he liked some of the posts that we had put on there. And so that outreach aspect of it, I knew that if I was going to be doing that, I had to change how I viewed Facebook so that I didn't get stuck in that endless scrolling or that looking at other things and feeling unmotivated or Facebook groups where they're talking about like stuff that I really don't care about anymore, stuff that I used to just ignore. And now I'm like, I, I, I shouldn't even just be a part of it anymore. I, I just need to pull away from it. I will say I've noticed a change in your energy, basically, since you approached me about the show. And also since you got your tablet and you've been, you know, doing some more artwork and stuff like that. This is the first time I'm telling you, but yeah, I mean, I want you to know, like, it's it's been a noticeable change. I, I know that you've been... Uh, visiting more people about your your sleep and your ADHD. But I think what I noticed was the biggest change was actually trying to put this show together because with your situation, since you jump from so many topics so quickly, you now have one place where you can do just that. And it's like the show is your box of topics and you can just like, jump in the box and pull out whatever topic you want to talk about and get into. And then I think that's, it seems like it's been a relief for you in some ways. It definitely has. This is, this is a place where I can, all of that random stuff that I go do all the research and things that it's really just for me because I'm just, I'm wanting to learn more about something or I'm wanting to try something out. I mean, a lot of that, I can then kind of share here with you first and then with our audience. And it's really been a good place to do that. And it's funny that you should say about my energy because, and I actually, I notated this and this may have to be like a very important day that I, I mark on my calendar, like Wednesday, July 28th, I woke up, I was well rested because my psychiatrist prescribed me a sleep aid for my CPAP machine because it's uncomfortable in my face. I'm not used to... Can you describe what a CPAP is? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's, that's a pretty good thing to get into. So I have sleep apnea. And what that means is that I stop breathing in my sleep. And I found this out when I was 13 or 14. And I found out about it because I had braces. And when I was near the end of my braces, the orthodontist told my parents, they were like, hey, he's getting to that age where his wisdom teeth might come in and it's going to mess everything up we just did. We should just go in and knock them out before they come in. And so my parents agreed to it. They did the whole, like, I had to take medication the night before and then I had to take medication that morning and I couldn't have any food because they don't want you to, if you throw up or anything. So got my wisdom teeth taken out. And the surgeon then told my parents, they're like, Hey, he stops breathing in his sleep. Like your, your son has sleep apnea. And it was always on the list of things to take care of. But I think about a year later, my tonsil swelled up and I had to have my tonsils removed. And so 
it was kind of something that fell by the wayside. And last year when I started seeing a therapist, again, I was feeling directionless and aimless. It's about the time I turned 28 or 29. And one of the first things that therapist told me, she was like, do you, what's your energy level like? Are you sleeping well? And I was like, no, not really. And she was like, do you know if you have sleep apnea? And I was like, oh yeah, I absolutely do. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, I, I know that I have sleep apnea. I was told at a young age. And she was like, have you done anything about it? And I was like, no. I, so I stopped breathing. And she was like, no, you're not, your oxygen flow is cut off. Like you're, yeah. you're not really sleeping. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And so we went to an ENT, ear, nose, and throat. There, It's a technical term for that doctor is an otolaryngologist. I've learned that because I've had to see my otolaryngologist so many times this year. So I went to the otolaryngologist and they were like, yeah, it looks like you have some issues. We should do a sleep study. This was early January. We were about to move. I was like, I don't, you know, I'm already not sleeping well because I'm really stressed about moving. And I started this new position. I don't think you'll get an accurate reading. I think I was just lying to myself. I, I really just... I didn't want to know. And so we kind of put it off and then I got furloughed. So there was a cut in pay. And two or three months ago, I started feeling, it felt like I had something stuck in my throat. And so I had to go back to the otolaryngologist and he said, it's actually a condition called globus. It feels like I have something stuck in my throat because I've had such bad acid reflux that I had basically worn down the lining of my throat and my esophagus, and I needed to do something for my acid reflux. So he prescribed me an acid reflux medication. And then the last thing he said was, I know you came in for a sleep study and you never did it, but you know that sleep apnea severely affects acid reflux. Like it it increases your acid reflux, right? And I was like, no. I did not know that. Why did you just now tell me this? (laughs) So they give me the prescription for the acid reflux medication. And I was like, all right, let's do the sleep study thing. So they give me this little machine and they charged me like $300 to rent it for a night. Wow. Yeah. Mental health and physical things this year have really been breaking my wallet, but I mean, like Sebastian said, he, he's seen a difference and, and even I notice a difference and it's, it's, it's been expensive, but it's been worth it. And every day it gets better. And that's what I just keep having to tell myself. So <laughs> I rented this, this $300 machine that has this little like nose mask thing and it had a finger heart rate monitor. And so I put this little nose mask on and I put the heart rate on and I, I strapped what felt like a training bra to my chest and then went to sleep. And I woke up June 23rd, I turned 31, and I drove this machine back to the otolaryngologist to get my test results from them. And they're like, you'll have it in three to five business days. Just wait and we'll let you know. So uh, six or seven days later, when I hadn't heard back from anyone, I had to call them because I'm actually really invested in my mental health. And that's actually kind of a reoccurring theme is that I will follow up on things that are very important to me. And this happened to be very important to me. I mean, I'm not sleeping well, I'm having bad acid reflux, like these are all 
problems and I'm trying to fix them. So I call this otolaryngologist, I get my results back and they broke it down as such. They measure your sleep apnea in instances per hour. So zero to five instances per hour is normal. You turned, you stopped breathing or you coughed or something, you stopped breathing for a second. Normal, zero to five. Uh, five to 30 is moderate and can be treated. That's a big jump. Yeah, zero, yeah, it's a, it, that's a pretty big five gap. That's, yeah. yeah, five to 30, moderate. You could use a, a different type of mask on the CPAP. You could use one that's not as like, full face and they're like anything 30 and up is considered severe sleep apnea. You need to do something immediately, get it fixed. So they told me 32, I, I have 32 instances per hour. So approximately every two minutes I stop breathing in my sleep. So it kind of makes sense why I'm not focused and why I'm exhausted by 11 AM or why I have no energy on the weekends or why I constantly feel rundown. So they give me the results and they're like, we're going to send a respiratory therapist to your house and we'll get the machine set up. And what it does is it, it basically pumps air down your throat so that your throat doesn't close up and you continue to circulate air. You cycle air through your nose, through your mouth and into your brain and your body and your heart and your blood and everything. Mm -hmm. And that helps prevent a, a massive list of things like they're like people with sleep apnea are more susceptible to like strokes and heart attacks and this, that, and the other, and, and it can exacerbate acid reflux or it can destroy your concentration on things. And it's like, I already have terrible concentration. Mm -hmm. I don't want to fuck up what I do have. So they, they, they give me this machine. I put it on my face. I get it set up and everything. And it, is so fucking uncomfortable and I hate it and I wear it every night and I try to keep it on. And most mornings I wake up with it already off my face. Uh, but on this day, on Wednesday, July 28th, I woke up with my CPAP mask still on my face. I took it off. I got up. I went and took my ADHD medication, the Stratera. I took my acid reflux medication. I have to eat 30 minutes later with that medication for it to activate. And that is kind of a problem because the one side effect that the Stratera causes is not a total lack of appetite, but I'm definitely aware of the fact I do not eat like I used to. And I think a lot of it might've been psychosomatic. A lot of it was stress eating or just boredom, like just grazing on food. Mm -hmm. but I'm down like seven or eight pounds in, in the last month that I've been taking this medication, I'm down seven or eight pounds from my highest weight. And that combined with like the increased energy has really made me feel like I'm, I'm starting to actually feel my age. Cause for the longest time I felt tired and overweight and unable to focus. And I just felt like I was just my body was more broken than it should be for someone who's only 31 years old. And so on this day, on this, on this Wednesday morning, I woke up, I had the mask still on, I was well rested and I just, I had a great day. And then I made the mistake of drinking caffeine 
and got to the point where I was over energized and was just really like jittery. You recharged yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Basically did that. I, I, I was already like at peak and then just felt on top of the world and then added caffeine. Cause I, I just wanted, I don't know. I just wanted a Baja blast mountain dew with my taco bell at lunch. And so it's interesting that you like stress eat or I guess don't eat when you're bored because when I'm stressed, I don't eat and I'll lose like 10 pounds. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's just ADHD or if that's just stress. I mean, I know stress manifests itself. I think it depends on the person because for me, I just like, I lose my appetite real quickly. And uh, because I have a high jealous, I guess, but it sucks. I'm hungry all the time though. Oh, I can't have like two big meals or three big meals. I have to have like five or six small meals throughout the day um, because I'm just burning everything. So yeah. So I can go from 90 pounds to 80 in like a few days. Um, and I've only reached like 100 pounds once. I was like, wait, are you 90 pounds currently? I'm like 98. I fluctuate between 98 and 96. I'm going to bring you a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm practically double your weight. One of, one of the point. sandwiches that um, Zelda brought you last time. Yes. I'm, I had another one of those for breakfast uh, this weekend. Another egg and bacon, lettuce, tomato, jalapeno bagel. I'll talk about food right now. Right. <laughs> have you been- we have not had dinner. Okay, yeah. Then we definitely won't talk about dinner. But mm-hmm. I've been feeling really energized. And then, dude, on the on the, the total the opposite. Lasting, lasting effect, your energy. Yeah, I really feel good. But on the on the total opposite end of the spectrum... Uh, last Saturday, after I uploaded our episode, our first episode, go listen to it now on seven different major <laughs> podcast platforms. Um, I felt nothing. I felt so hollow inside because I, I didn't have a project to work on or a task to accomplish. And yeah. um, my daughter was staying with my aunt for the day because they hadn't seen each other in a while. And um, you had no so way to my, distract your, your mind. Yeah, I... I had no responsibilities, but I had no projects to work on. And so I was trying to force my interest on something. Like I was trying to read a book that I just wasn't really into. I was trying to watch TV and I just didn't really feel it. And it was a very weird feeling. And I I had to talk to my therapist about that. And she told me that because of most likely dealing with ADHD for years and always feeling like I'm thinking about something or focused on something or having to do something that the first instance of not having to do something, I I feel like I'm almost wasting time. And she's like, but that's, you know, that's kind of the beauty of free time is that you can kind of just enjoy it. And I was like, I've never really thought of free time as like just enjoying the time. I always, I have to allocate my time to something. So it, it was really weird. And it's really weird to have this different balance of like, one day I'm jittery and over energetic. And then the other day, like I'm, I'm completely empty and cathartic because I have nothing to do. I think that's also with a lot of people that are artists feel like when they don't have anything to do, they just feel like they're wasting time because there are other people out there that are doing things. 
so I don't know it, it I feel like that is really hard but also with the pandemic and everything that doesn't help either there's nothing to it really doesn't so it, it's just making people I'm sure with mental health way worse when they yeah. don't or especially people that don't have hobbies there's a lot of people that me and Sebastian talk to that don't have hobbies or just things that they like enjoy to do which is why I started a YouTube channel because it's something I can do in between my jobs because I was getting so depressed and having so much anxiety about what's my next job, you know, cause I could have a job for a day or mm-hmm. three days mm-hmm. or few months, but then you still got to search for work. So it's like, I need to occupy my time with something I enjoy. That also is somewhat having to deal with my job. So like, filming me playing video games but also editing it's like a good practice in between doesn't feel like it's a waste of time but I'm still enjoying it so I feel like that's a lot of what people need to do with that have mental health um, issues is to find some sort of hobby they can do some kind of relief yeah yeah that I think that's I think we talked about this last week that's what really kind of pushed me into this was I, I was feeling exactly like you were saying I was feeling like I, I wasn't doing anything. I was wasting time and I was just, I wasn't accomplishing anything and I needed to accomplish something. And with the added level of like my entire normal day-to-day routine just decimated. I mean, I wasn't getting up. I wasn't taking a shower. I wasn't taking my daughter to school. I wasn't going to the office. I get, I get out of bed and I go sit in front of my computer to do work. And I just felt like everything was off and I wasn't accomplishing anything. And it was just, yeah, I definitely needed to find something to do. And I I think I'm hoping that after COVID-19 ends, that after we can kind of get back together, I'm hoping that people have picked up creative outlets. And and like, I I know people are giving other people shit about like making like bread videos and stuff, but like, dude, bread's awesome. Like I love bread make make some bread if you're making bread i will eat your bread like with bread yeah that was a big thing closer to the beginning of uh, quarantine everybody started posting videos of trying to make bread make something (laughs) way more difficult than that bread's not that hard bread's not hard i made it in elementary school it's not that hard i've never made bread so well to me we we've we've made bread here a couple of times it's it's not bad but well, you know, if you're hungry and you're going to find something creative to do, make some food. It's way more hard to make a full course meal that all comes out together at the same time. Yeah, that's... Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> having gone to culinary school, yeah, it's all about timing. Yeah. Like getting, right, I forgot. Getting your, your meat, like, yeah, you got to cook it and then let it rest and getting that at the same time as, like, your 20-minute rice. Yeah, that or, like, you cook bacon and yeah. you're like, shit, like, eggs take two seconds to make and I didn't stop exactly. bacon. Exactly. Or like I have. Yeah, no, you always start bacon first. Yeah, yeah. Always do bacon. Then when it's about to be crisp, do your eggs. Yeah. Go. Toast takes like what forty eight seconds. Ours so like, tastes, do- it tastes like is, one second. It burns. This is a yeah. Special trying to get us back on topic. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 touch base oh, on that later. Also, but- I figured out the person you talked about that we're mutual friends with. Yeah. Besides Isaac, I guess. Yeah. Besides Isaac, yeah. I mean, we obviously. We know Isaac because Sebastian yeah. works with Isaac. But um, Isaac's person, awesome. I've never met him before. Um, really? He's just, I, I know he's in the <laughs> film industry. See, yeah, I knew that from his Facebook. Yeah. But I, I think I, 
I think I met him from like a friend of a friend and I don't even think I'm friends with that friend anymore. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never met him. Yeah. But it's, it's, isn't that weird? It's always like small world when you're like, you're like, Oh, oh I know. we both know this person, but then it, I guess it turns out we both really don't know. Don't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we both don't know this person. That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that's where I'm at. That's how I've been. I know we didn't really like, touch on how I got here in the first place but that's that's kind of the uh the flashback to everything that happened with me to get here that that you know Sebastian you were talking about the things that you had seen and the improvements and stuff and so it's been yeah it's been a f- well b- babe you wanted to also talk about I mean have you seen a significant difference in my mental health compared to how I was then and now what do you mean? Then obviously not. <laughs> what do you mean then? <laughs> what do you mean then and now? I don't know when then is. So I take I I found out I have like anxiety and depression mm-hmm. a year or so ago, and um I didn't know that. It wasn't until after college, then you know having to become a freelance filmmaker, being home all the time, and being home, yeah, waiting for work. Uh-huh. Not just, I, don't, I didn't looking, just sit around and wait. Looking for, trying to find work instead of just like getting up yeah. and going to work. Um. So, but have you seen a significant difference from yeah. when we weren't living together? Okay. Well, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, mm-hmm. Tori is my girlfriend. We're living together. No, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> friends that live together. Um, yeah i mean roommates at this point yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um yeah i mean you you seem more free you know you're in your own space you now that you you have like your office space and you know all the cats (laughs) that's what it is (laughs) well it is there's cats let me tell I had to edit out so many cat meows. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I want that on record. So now, now that you have your own space, you know, you have it fixed up the way you want to, you feel comfortable in it. You know, you don't feel like you need to find work just to get out of the house. You know, you don't feel like you need really a break from anything not that I know of. Mm. Um, well, it's hard to know because quarantine really helped a lot with having to 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 find just to like relax and be. O- it's 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 weird because when quarantine hit, it was like, wow, I'm really happy that nobody has work because now I'm not stressed out that other people have work and I don't. Like it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. It is, it, yeah. I, that's a little. You're just like you know nobody has work. I can relax because nobody has you know has can work it's not possible um so it was like the only time i was never anxious and i didn't even realize i had depression and anxiety because i didn't want to like i guess be in that what do you call it like i didn't want to be in that characterized yeah yeah i totally get that that because i see people post about all the time and i'm like i don't want to be that but it was getting to the point where i was what it's it's not that maybe that you don't want to be that but you don't want people to see you in a way that that might be you know negative 
Yeah. I guess. I think well, I think what you're saying is you, you didn't want that to be your label because that's how I felt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went and fucking made a, a podcast all about it. So I'm kind of <laughs> fucked up there. It's important just to be like, hey, pretty much the whole world has probably anxiety and depression. Some, kind of, <laughs> some, yeah. some, some sort of mental health in some way because life is not easy. But I mean, it got it got to the point where I was it's like I had anxiety about my like either future or I wasn't doing enough like what you were saying how you just felt like you weren't achieving anything Mm -hmm. um that was me every single day pretty much and um it was getting to the point where people would ask me just oh how are you like how was your day and you know how's your life or how's film and I would just break down because you know, mentally, you're thinking of so many things that mm. you just like, didn't let out. And I don't have a therapist like you do currently, which yeah, good. But um, they're pretty so- great. Like I, I'm. <laughs> they are, yeah. I having health insurance it helps, but I, I have to say, like I really like my therapist, and I was really worried because that's somebody that you're supposed to like connect with and you're supposed to be able to talk to. And I was just, I was really worried about having someone that would just brush me off or not listen because these are real things and it's all in perspective to you. Yeah. You're not out there making a movie or a commercial or doing work and stuff. And it's like in perspective, other people have it way worse. And I felt the same thing. You know, I felt like I'm not accomplishing anything but then I still have a job and I have a house and I have a family and I have all these nice things and from that outside in like or that that negative approach of like well, well what do you have to be sad about what do you have to be you know depressed about yeah. you have really nice things it's like well it, it doesn't work that way yeah they're like oh my god your job's so cool you're in the film industry I'm like you don't realize how stressful it is <laughs> like, yeah reality and the thing is I I probably compare myself to people that have been doing this for 10 plus years. So that's also not fair on myself. So uh, yeah, I don't don't know. It's hard. Yeah. So the second topic here uh, is, is literary adaptations and I bit off more than I could chew. I thought I was going to be able to do this like grandiose like comparing books to novels i don't know why i thought that i don't have time how about how about let's just kind of go over a few and like yeah that's you know how like if we recommend one or something and why and like what well so that that was kind of what i ended up pivoting to was instead of just picking books that were movies I ended up picking books that were adapted into movies that had fictional characters that were a portrayal of some sort of mental illness or mental health issues. And some of these on the list are pretty basic, like paranoia or a feeling of lackluster. A lot of these are some of my favorite movies. And I I found it interesting that looking back that like five of my favorite books are all about some different aspect of mental health three or four of those translate to my favorite movies because of how literal the adaptation is from book to movie and so which ones are those so uh a a couple of them are here at the top of the list so a scanner darkly is 
a it's a it's an amazing movie i'm not going to go into too many details about it but it's it's and tori if you have any perspective on these from the film industry or if i'm getting something wrong like by all means let me know but from what i from what i know of a scanner darkly it was filmed in less than a month and it's it's a movie from the early 2000s it's kind of set in the like quote unquote distant future and basically there's a drug that is like the most addictive substance and everyone's doing it recreationally. And so the main character is an undercover narcotics agent. And it's just, it's kind of the view of his life as the undercover person that he's supposed to be and the narcotics agent, but he's like hopelessly addicted to this drug and it's a Philip K. Dick novel. Philip K. Dick is, is most famous for having his movies adapted into things like Minority Report, Total Recall, and Blade Runner. He likes the memory loss. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Idea. So. He has memory loss. Well, he, he did suffer from it because he was a major drug addict. And mm -hmm. I, not being a drug addict, but having a neurological disease, having ADHD, a lot of my memories are very scrambled or I don't remember things as accurately. I mean, my, my wife and I have had discussions about like how I've remembered something and it's not that way, or, or I have associated something to something that had nothing to do with it. And so a uh, scanner darkly is, is one of my favorite novels because of uh, just this character, like trying to maintain his life while his brain is like slowly rotting. And in, in this instance, it is from an outside force, but Drug addiction is a mental disease. I mean, it's your brain is trying to find that chemical balance. We're, we're all just, like in the purest sense, we're all just monkeys trying to press that serotonin button. Like everything we do is for happiness. We are very much driven by the chemicals in our brain. And for some people, it's drugs. And other people, it's creative hobbies. For some people, it's this, that, and the other. It's, this uh, Scanner Darkly, it's a fantastic movie and it's a it's a very literal adaptation and i actually uh, probably a year or two ago i listened to the audiobook of it from my library and the audiobook is read by paul giamatti and it is amazing because he does male voices and he does female voices and there's even a section that's in german because that's how crazy the main character is going and so Paul Giamatti reading all of these different voices. Like he, he put in a performance from an actor. That's something when it's just an audiobook. I mean, that, that really does show that it's not just your face. It's not just your motions. I mean, th that's why I do consider voice acting to be a very legitimate and impressive profession. And so in this case, Paul Giamatti doing an audiobook, it's one of the best that I could recommend. It's so great. Keanu Reeves is in it. Keanu Reeves is in it, yeah. Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Robert Downey Jr., and Woody Harrelson. A lot of these books that I, I was looking at, some, some more than others, were really good depictions of mental health. Like, I think Fight Club, having, not to spoil the twist or anything, but Fight Club. Spoiler alert. Skip. Yeah, spoiler alert for a... Fight Club. Well, that came out in 99. So for <laughs> an 11-year-old movie, the, the character has a split personality disorder, 
But he, he just has the two. It's the narrator and Tyler Durden. And his explanation to it is just wanting to break out of like the monotony and the mundane of his everyday life. And it's definitely an exaggeration. I mean, I think everybody wants to break out of their daily routine, but nobody to the extent of the narrator ends up creating Project Mayhem and blowing up Starbucks's and defacing billboards and, and creating like mass chaos to that extent. But it's a great, the movie is a great adaptation of the novel and it's one of my favorite books. Unfortunately, the author decided to continue the book in comic book form. Weird. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I don't, I, I do not recommend picking up Fight Club 2 as a comic book because it takes Tyler Durden from being a split personality to him being this mental parasite that jumps from host to host. And then like the author puts himself in the story and it gets real like fourth wall breaky. And it just, I, I found myself not enjoying it. And they couldn't get the licensing rights to, uh, to Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. So I spent the first two issues like trying to figure out who's who. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they gave like Tyler Durden has like really long hair in it. And I'm like, this doesn't look like Brad Pitt at all. I'm so confused. That's so funny. But even when you just, so you just said it, that he um, he has like a split personality. Yeah. But it's interesting because with a technically a split personality for that disorder to even come into effect, Basically, the person has to go through um, continuous trauma at a certain age, like in between, uh, I can't remember, it's like six and eight or something, has to be like a specific age, continuous trauma um, to a point where they feel like they can't survive anymore. So they internally make a separate personality to protect them so I don't know if like with Fight Club if that would be considered that or it's just schizophrenia where he sees another person I'm not I'm not entirely sure because they don't really they don't really like dive into his backstory really you know the the most the narrator talks about is saying that like his dad left and married another family and then and you know Tyler's response is like fuckers setting up franchises but that's the most insight into his backstory we get. His, the, the narrator's explanation of it is more that like, yeah, he was just bored at his job. And, you know, even when they confront each other, he's like, you know, you, you have insomnia. So you stay up at night making soap and like taking odd jobs. So. <laughs> so now you have a uh, schizophrenia, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. So <laughs> okay. again, yeah, these aren't like the best depictions of mental health, but they're no. definitely, I mean, I, I feel like someone somewhere can probably relate to them and they're all of the ones that are about mental health on this list. Like yeah. I said, the mm-hmm. three of them are my favorite novels. It's funny that you say, cause you were like, yeah, I'm trying to find books that also go that were made into movies. And I was like, oh yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. Was, uh, <laughs> but if you think about it, you guys probably haven't seen it, but he actually, Grey, um, Dr. Grey, actually has a- Is that doctor? Yeah, he actually has not a disorder, but basically mental health because the reason that he does like all this BDSM stuff is because his mother's friend would like force him basically to do BDSM with her, I believe. Yeah, that's that's definitely not a disorder. That's a 
you know, a response to a traumatic event. And, so PTSD. You know, I know that. Yeah. It manifests itself in things like PTSD and other things. Um, but yeah, you know, some of the other books on here, like I picked The Shining. Like, I mean, that's obviously like isolation. Yeah. You know, there's, there's not, he's not. What's that? Maybe from seeing things and hearing things. And... Yeah, I guess that is. Well, the, the... there's there's somewhat of like a paranormal aspect yeah. to that movie. Like it might be ghosts. That's the problem with like a lot of Stephen King stuff. I was I was trying to pick other Stephen King novels and I was like, oh, these are interesting. And, you know, I was like, oh, I've seen Dreamcatcher. And then it's like, yeah, they get telekinesis at a young age. And I'm like, that's not, that doesn't happen. So like that's, this, the shining, what's that? That's a disorder, I think, telekinesis. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like, the, yeah, the shining, you know, yeah, the, the little kid, little red rum kid, he's got telekinesis. I think that's just a thing that Stephen King really wants. And I, I feel like if he writes it enough, he thinks one day he's going to get it. <laughs> I mean, the, the shining, I would say the majority of the theme of that is isolation. And then even the call of the wild, like, uh, the, the main guy, I can't remember his name. Cause I just remembered the dog. I think everyone just remembers the dog from the Call of the Wild, but even the character that Harrison Ford played in that, he had he had kind of chosen to isolate himself. He openly talks about pushing away loved ones and just kind of ending up in the Yukon digging for gold and living out his days in solitude. And I mean, some people need that and some people seek it out, but... I think more of that book is about the dog. And, and then I feel, I feel bad for that movie because it, it was released right in that weird spot where like theaters were closing down and they were starting to show things on demand. And I, I feel like The Call of the Wild was a very good adaptation. And I feel like it's going to be overlooked by the, the 2020 shitstorm. <laughs> Other things like Misery, back to Stephen King. She, the lady, I can't remember her name because it's been years since I've watched that movie and even longer since I read the book, but she had a hard time like disconnecting what was fictional and what was reality. Like she really thought that character in the book was like a real person. And then that caused her to traumatize the author for wanting to kill her off. So that's, you know, there's there's a depiction of, mental i would say mental illness there um i put i robot as well you mean annie uh wilkins yes yes mm-hmm. exactly annie wilkins mm-hmm. but yeah i'll do a, you know a couple of other movies like i robot uh that's paranoia but rightfully so like he turns out will smith was right but that's not even that's not a purely adapted movie i mean uh, basically i robot is a collection of short stories from isaac asimov that work together thematically but it's not an actual novel and just like a bunch of philip k dick stuff they kind of borrowed ideas from it to make a movie and i don't know i like it it has alan tudyk as the voice of sunny the robot and i'll watch anything with alan tudyk in it i just i really like alan tudyk one that i watched was and actually tori this kind of touches on what you were talking about i watched recently 
uh, because I hadn't watched it in a while and, and I had read the book years earlier between the first time that I watched the movie and, and the most recent time uh, was The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, and that's a sad movie. <laughs> that is a sad movie and it's a sad book. And it, it, the reasoning behind it is, yeah, the, the main character whose name I can't remember, been about a month or two since I watched the movie, he was molested as a child by his aunt. And that caused him to have a form of PTSD from it. And he's kind of a loner. And there's, there's one scene where he kind of has a violent outburst and they, they talk about a lot of his, you know, he was on medication and I think he was actually in like a, like a mental care facility for a bit. His name is Parley, Uh, I believe. Just it was what? Parley. That sounds right. Played by Logan Lerman. Yeah. Looking that up. Yeah, because I've... <laughs> wait, wait, is this the main... I think so, yeah. But yeah, that was mm-hmm. one. And then, so two of them I decided to watch before I pivoted to the mental health. Uh, th- these were two movies I had kind of h- held off on watching because I, I knew they were going to be sad. And so almost back to back and regrettably so, I watched The Fault in Our Stars and then Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what to say about those because they're not, they're definitely not mental health. And they're in, in both cases, it's cancer. And I've never had to deal with that or I've never had anyone close to me that's had to deal with that. So I, I, I can't speak to anything on that. But yeah, those were both really sad movies, but they're, from what I've read, because I have not read the books, they are both great adaptations of the novels that they are based on. And that is because the screenplay was written by the author of the book. And I know that tends to happen sometimes. And one of the best situations of that that I can speak to is The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride, the movie with Carrie Ewells and Mandy Patinkin and the awesome and much loved and missed Andre the Giant, both the movie and well, the book is actually an adaptation of like an old folklore tale by the author. And he considers it to be kind of an abridged telling of the, the tale and kind of a retelling as well. I think he, you know, spiced it up to be a little more fun at the end and like have a happy ending and really be like a fairy tale. But he wrote the screenplay for the movie. And so I think in cases where that tends to be the case, you get a movie that is a very clear and concise adaptation of the author's novel because it tends to be the same character. And when you have adaptations that are not written by the author, you get very off the wall stuff. And I think instances like that are things like Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick that got turned into Blade Runner, a very different movie, slightly based on the novel. Mm -hmm. I think it's harder to find books that were turned into good movies that represent mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, there's a lot of movies I can think about there that, or even shows that are especially now yeah in, in the most recent times people are starting to make more accurate depictions of certain mental health issues or not even yep. issues just mental health in general and how people deal with them um like what do you I'm think like, about dexter 
Did you ever see Dexter? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot that wasn't a book. Yeah, I so I I watched the like the first few seasons and then I stopped because people were saying that it it ended up turning yeah just really bad. But that's um, I heard the same as well. I think I stopped watching after like the fourth season, like when it was John yeah. Lithgow was the like main villain of the season. But so the weird oh, thing, yeah, where his wife died. Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. But after well, after that, it that's when. Yeah, I, I hear after that it tanks, and then I, I think he takes on an apprentice, and it gets better. Funny enough, I've actually read the first four Dexter novels, mm-hmm. and the first season is almost like a a page for page adaptation of the the first novel. It's it's a really good drawn out, and the the characters are the same, and they're they're. They're portrayed very well by all the actors, but by the, I think it's like by the third novel, it kind of does that thing that I was talking about with Fight Club uh, that the author tried, where he kind of then depicts this, this mental illness as a long living parasitic mental entity that leaves him for a while. And so it's weird that the after after the second season the the series takes a very different turn than the books but the the series maintains that it's a mental health thing that he had that traumatic event as a child and it left on him you know those issues that he had that he then adapts into killing other killers and stuff and so i found that to be interesting that they kept with the mental health aspect of it instead of this like demon thing and so i've i've stopped reading the books i have no interest after <laughs> that point um yeah it was one of my favorite shows though Speaking it was good um so like, hell yeah bad guy like yeah bad guys. guy killing bad guys yeah. um i will say though so one of the last ones and it's not a movie but it's almost a movie was catch 22 was just recently adapted into a hulu series and it's a mini series. It's six, like one hour episodes. So it ends up being about a six hour movie, which is fairly accurate because the audiobook is like a 15 hour audiobook. And I'm working my way through the book right now. Like I actually have a, a paper copy of it I'm reading. But from what I've read of the comparison of the book and the movie, because I've only like, or the mini series, like I said, I've only made it a couple of chapters in a lot of the wit and detail gets left out in the miniseries, which I think is a common thing in films and TV shows. It's hard to adapt a novel into a a viewable piece of media and maintain the same context. But I really liked the Hulu series. And I feel like that is an interesting look at mental health because the, the entire time he's there, he is trying to get a declaration that he's insane, but the insanity that he's looking for is based on the fact that he doesn't want to die in the war. He's literally trying to enact self-preservation, something that we all do. I mean, that's, you know, that's why we have flight or fight mentalities. That's why we have anxiety sometimes. That's why people go one way to work instead of the other. I mean, it, it's all about self-preservation. And so it's very 
interesting that in this novel, he's trying to have himself declared insane to get out of war. But all the other people around him are just like accepting the fact that they're there. And he seems to be the only one that doesn't want to die. And that I found that to be a fascinating depiction because I have a ton of anxiety about death and I feel like I would do the exact same thing in that instance. And a lot of people deem that character to be cowardice because he's, it's, it's set during world war two and he's a fighter pilot and he's supposed to be fighting for his country and for his freedoms. Uh, but literally, I mean, he was drafted, he was there against his will. And he even explains that he went, he, his, the profession he chose in uh, the, the war was to be a bomber because their training is the longest. He really was trying to spend the most time he could out of war to prevent himself from being in war. And again, that's, that's self-preservation. And so I think that's an interesting view of mental health from a, a positive perspective, but he's trying to be deemed insane. So it's, it's just a really, it's a, it, it's an interesting like duality in my mind. To check it out. Classic, classic novel, great series. I started watching it on Memorial Day weekend because I had some free time. Um, there is this movie that I saw that was very, um, it was hard to watch, but I think it was very important to watch. I watched it a couple years ago. It was called Mysterious Skin. I don't know if you've heard of that. It has- I uh, have J- not. Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. Ooh, That's, I like him. Yeah, it's basically- he ends up becoming a hustler prostitute because of childhood trauma. And for people that have mental health issues because of trauma from their childhood, this is definitely like a really heart-wrenching movie, but I feel like it's really important to show that parents need to take care of their children. (laughs) You know, things like that that could prevent kids from getting certain mental health issues just from an ex one experience could change that person's life so interestingly enough it is actually based on a book oh what i did not know that that's crazy how (laughs) there you go you were you were on point yeah mysterious skin is a 2004 coming of age drama film directed Mm. by greg eric who also wrote the screenplay based on scott heim's 1995 novel of the same name oh interesting i did not know that yeah they showed it to us in school and it was very it was very much a take back for my personal experience and it was hard to watch but it's a good movie and it's actually shot really well too which is why i like it it sounds pretty intense from what i'm looking at about it i don't know i do i do like coming of age tales like another one i was thinking about trying to watch and read again, but I haven't read in years. And then I haven't seen in just as long was like uh, The Outsiders. Yeah. I know that's like a very yes coming of age tale that they show everyone at some point in school. I think it's also, it's really good writing. You know, like House yeah. of Ben, how I said that, that book was made into a movie and yeah, wait, I think they made that one into a movie a couple of times, but the mm-hmm. the version with Gary Sinise and um, John Malkovich, mm-hmm. pretty solid adaptation. And I, I do, I really like that book. 
Oh, there's another movie I'm thinking of. Oh, what's it called? Where there's like three three guys escape oh, from prison. No, that To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, that's a good one. That yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird was also one I was going to discuss, but that I don't. I mean, that's not as much about mental illness. That's yeah, uh, racism and and bigotry and hatred. A very common topic for 2020. Uh, <sighs> Would you consider that a mental health? issue like somebody that is racist do you feel like that is somewhat uh i that's a hard thing to classify because i feel like a lot of racism is inherited i feel like people are taught racism i don't know i don't i don't really i don't like discussing that that's a that that's that's almost like a it's one of those hard things to to pinned down yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's very controversial um one that i did watch recently and that i f- i it's interesting now thinking about it it's very similar to catch 22 uh but it's one flew over the cuckoo's nest and jack nicholson is the main character rp mcmurphy and He's sane, but taken to jail. Mm -hmm. And he's taken to jail because he's a piece of shit. Um, And that's it. That's the weird thing is I, I totally forget. He's taken to jail for statutory rape. And he, he describes how he's, he, he had an uncontrollable urge to have sex with this girl when it was presented to him. And so he, he's literally a piece of shit, but throughout the movie, you're guided to sympathize with him. You're pushed to think that Nurse Ratchet is the villain, but that's all wrong. Like R.P. McMurphy is, he's, he's a piece of shit that is trying to get out of jail time and is doing so by getting himself put into a mental institution because he thinks that it'll be easier and the entire time, Nurse Ratchet is just trying to help these mental patients. She's just trying to keep structure and order, and she's just trying to help give medication to the patients. But the the, the framing of the movie really depicts her as the antagonist and R.P. McMurphy as the protagonist. But he's, and I'm going to say it again, he's just a piece of shit. He's a, he's a bad human being. And... I totally did not realize that until watching this movie a couple of weeks ago. The, the, uh, the best character in the movie is Chief, who, credit to him, he's just pretending to be deaf and, and stupid when really he's just, he's just a, kind of a normal person. And he's the best character in the book <laughs> or the movie. Probably the book too. It's been forever since I've read the book. I think the book is actually from his perspective, if I'm not mistaken. That, it's weird that that's on par with Catch-22 because they're both classic pieces of literature. Of they're, both, they're people that are relatively sane and are aware of what's going on and are trying to get this label of insane to get out of responsibilities or duties, uh, but for... Yosarian is the name of the character in Catch-22. He's doing it for self-preservation, 
uh, RP McMurphy is just doing it because he's just trying to get out of a well-deserved punishment for his criminal behavior. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, it sounds, <laughs> really, sounds really interesting. I have not read the book or seen the movie. You haven't? Oh, it's classic. Um, I actually read it in high school, ironically, because my teacher did a project. We were reading banned books from a, a banned book list. I, I don't know why a high school is picking banned books to read, but we read it and it's, it's on that same list of things like To Kill a Mockingbird and what else was on there? There were a couple others, but it's, it's considered controversial. Uh, one, yeah, because of the statutory rape. Two, there's definitely some off-color and racist language. And then uh, three, there's explicit language. Like uh, there's a consistent, I mean, like he describes the genitalia of the 15-year-old and he explains that he's in prison for too much fighting and too much fucking. And so it's... <laughs> Like, it was very weird that they had us read that. I, I guess it was my senior year of high school, so maybe it was a little appropriate, but it's still, it's, it's a, I don't know if it's because it's a product of its time or if it was, if the author wrote it to be controversial, to be controversial. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's considered a, a piece of, it, it's a classic piece of literature and the movie is considered to be fantastic. And there's a very young Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown from Back to the Future, mm -hmm. that I feel like he does not get enough credit for his role in it. Like that, that entire movie is carried by Jack Nicholson. But yeah, Christopher Lloyd also does an amazing performance in that movie. So are we going to like wrap up like with me, I guess? And then y'all are going to talk about topic three for next week, basically, as an intro. If you're on the side, or, yeah. I mean, if this is the intro and I'm not gonna be there, then there's no point in me. Uh, well, I mean, we're just talking about it. You can sign out if you want. I need to feed the gecko. I know. So, uh, signing out. Okay. He writes out. <laughs> um. So yeah, if uh, there's some gamers listening to this, I have a YouTube channel. We're we're pretty funny over there. Um, <laughs> it's just me doing some gaming talking about filmmaking sometimes uh it's called minute rice and um like it's the spelled, food yeah but it's spelled m-i-n-i-t and then the rice is r-h-y-s because our family um back when they were coming over on the mayflower that's how rice was initially spelled mm. yeah incorrectly okay Incorrectly. It's more fancy, I would say. Oh, yeah. It's Blair. Blair. Reese. Well, it, it was pronounced Reese. Makes right. sense. Yeah. I'm related to John Adams, actually, the president. That's my line, okay? No, seriously, he married Abigail Rice. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> I think I have a distant relation to, like, Samuel Adams somewhere. Oh shit. Cousin of Did we marry by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Our trees are aligned. I don't know. Yes. Okay, so minute rice. Sorry. Way off topic. That's fine. 
people like off-topic conversations sometimes. Yes. It makes okay. it as a random moment of randomness, so. People like funny things, I'd hope. All right. Well, bye. All right. It was good to have you in I'm the show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, talk about other things. Like I'm trying things. to tell you that oh, it shit. was good to do <laughs> things. All right. <laughs> all right. See you later. <laughs> it was nice to have you in the show. Okay. I'll be over here. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Total blast. So, while watching these movies, I, I stumbled upon an article that said playing a musical instrument is beneficial to mental health. And when I looked into that, I also discovered that there was a study done where they took a select number of musicians, I think it was some like 2,000 or 4,000, and through a series of tests and investigations, they came up with a percentage that 87% of these musicians claimed to or had been diagnosed with some sort of mental health issue. And so I found those two to be in complete contradiction of each other because I don't know if it's the extension of professionalism, if you're a professional musician, if that's your career path or your main money making, if that is not as mentally beneficial. And they were, you know, this article was just speaking on an average person playing an instrument that that's good for their mental health or what the comparison of that was. But that led me to think about my experiences with playing a, an instrument and Sebastian I know you play guitar something we've talked about a lot and in looking into that uh, I actually found an article of several musicians that had spoken out about their mental health issues and full disclosure a lot of these musicians on the list they're not musicians in a genre that I would normally find enjoyable but I would never discredit them based on that. And I, and I think some of them were like Demi Lovato, Adele, and even Kanye West was mentioned in the article. And I know he's been on a weird tirade lately about running for president. And then Kim Kardashian had to make a statement about his bipolar disorder. And, and so that really got me thinking about to what extent do we validate the things that people put out there? You know, how tolerant are we supposed to be like, I would never take Kanye West seriously as a presidential candidate, but I understand that he's suffering from a mental illness and it's concerning that that's how it's manifesting itself and it's not being checked. So I wanted to next week or two weeks from now dive into that with you. And I think that's something you may have a, a very valid perspective on. And I think that's something I may have a very valid perspective on, especially considering that one of our favorite musicians, Chris Cornell committed suicide based on depression and uh this and i want to add uh chester bennington as well chester bennington yeah because and i don't know a lot of people don't understand uh there was actually a close relationship between the two of them uh yeah. chester bennington actually committed suicide on chris cornell's birthday on um fuck i had the date here and now it's gone matthew while you're doing that actually when you mentioned um like Demi Lovato yeah. and stuff like that. Um, 
most of the singers, a lot of them, it wasn't, it didn't come about from them. They, a lot of them started like in Disney and got on like cocaine at like a super young age. So I think a lot. Yeah. A lot I mean, there were, like, there were a lot of people and they're like Kid Cudi was on the list. Uh, Demi Lovato, uh, Adele spoke about her uh, postpartum. And so, yeah, th this article, I, and I, I wish I would have bookmarked it, but it's, it's, it was, to your credit, yeah, Demi Lovato is has had a very open drug addiction, and I think well, not like Miley Cyrus had had issues. Yeah, too. and I know Britney Spears. There's a whole thing about like free Britney. There's this kind of controversy right now that she's like her parents have her under some sort of like strict mental health thing, and you know I know she had that breakdown where she like shaved her head and bashed a, an umbrella into a car. And I, I know a lot of the internet made jokes about that, but I mean, she was going through a very serious thing. And, and the thing a lot of people that suffer from mental health have is that they're not uh, out in the open. Th these things aren't um, documented to the extent that people like Kanye West or Kid Cudi or, or Demi Lovato or Britney Spears experience. And it's, it's really, it's very tragic and it's really, problematic and it's like you know again as a society how how far are we supposed to let this go or how accepting are we supposed to be like oh kanye he's got bipolar disorder we just let him say crazy things like no he he should get some real help but you know yeah only, yeah. yeah only only he can do that or only a loved one can do that for him uh, but meanwhile i mean there are hundreds of articles that are talking about Kanye's um, campaign rally that he held. And, and it's like, are we as a society, are we responsible for shutting that down? Like, are the people that were there, were they bad for encouraging it? Or, I mean, were they just wanting to be in the same place as a, a person they idolize? I mean, there's a very weird perspective with like celebrity and mental health. And, um, the, you know, this being just kind of a teaser for the next episode. I think that's, this is something we can dive into yeah. a lot more. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big topic. And I think it's important, especially now because, you know, like you said, of, of uh, Kanye and, and also, um, you know, with the musicians and, and Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, among others, mm -hmm. and also um, what happened with uh, Will Smith. Yeah. I kind of heard about that. I haven't seen all of it, but I know he kind of opened up about it. And dude, the internet just ripped him apart, like making jokes and memes about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, from what's that? I said, yeah, it's unacceptable. It, it really is. I mean, from a couple levels back, like, you know, with no context, it's just a, it's a picture of him with like teary eyes, but like you look into it and it's like, yeah, apparently like his wife had an affair or something or, yeah. or, I don't, I don't know the full details of it, but that is definitely something I also intend to look in on. But I stumbled upon that article at the same time. And because I'm a, a huge Chris Cornell fan and I've actually been buying more albums because of my search history, the big two articles that I've seen recently are his daughter, Tawny Cornell, doing the cover of Pearl Jam's Black and dedicating that to 
her father, which Pearl Jam, you know, Eddie Vedder was also in Temple of the Dog with Chris Cornell. They were very close and they remained close friends throughout the years. Uh, but the more connected to mental health one that I read about but have yet to watch is from his older daughter, Lily Cornell Silver. She now has an IGTV, which is Instagram TV. She has a series that she started called Mind Wide Open that is also a show about mental health. And hers, I think her first episode was on July 20th, kind of right around the same time that we started doing this. And that's, I didn't learn about it until probably a week later, but I, I definitely want to go check that out and want to keep an eye on it. Cause I think she even is starting some sort of foundation or having guest musicians or guest hosts on. And I think that might also be a good place for people to go if they have more inquiries and interest in other mental health, maybe from someone from her perspective as a she being a survivor of a family member committing suicide. And I know a lot of people suffer with that. Uh, survivor's guilt is a huge, you know, mental health thing that people have to deal with. And so I'm really interested in checking her out. And so I know last week your YouTube recommendation was, was way more positive uh, or more upbeat. I mean, uh, but positive. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I definitely think it's positive. Yours, yours was way more upbeat and, uh, and, was, and lighthearted. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say this is from a perspective. And like we said earlier, this is from someone else's perspective. And I, I I'm, I'm really trying to take in a lot of different perspectives on mental health. Cause this is something that for the longest time I didn't really take seriously. Cause I didn't think I had these issues. Well, it's important also for me. And the reason that I think her doing a series like that is awesome is because she's incorporating her art into it as well. So, and the, and the art, to to kind of supplement like the the situations that people are in you know and kind of using that to help with their with their issues is a is a great idea in my opinion yeah i definitely agree i'm i'm, de I'm definitely going to go check that out when i i kind of set that aside because when we do these episodes and everything it's hard to stay in that window of things like prior to this i really wanted to watch you know, the, these movies based on books with mental health issues. Uh, but in that time frame, I specifically held off on hers so that I could watch it prior to the taping for that episode and really be up to date on it and, and see. I was hoping to also see more episodes and kind of see how they progressed, um, you know, because like anything, the first of something is always an indication of what it is at the time, but your second, your third, and your fourth, either movie that you've directed, novel that you've written, album that you've released, you'll always see a progression. And so I kind of want to see how her series progresses and not have to wait in real time for it. I want to consume it in, in a fast amount of time and see how it progresses. Kind of, yeah. And then get up to it in real time. And so um, right. I'll be I'll be checking that out. And I think I'm going to try to find that article that spoke about the different musicians, you know, like yeah, if you can find it, we can post it on our Facebook. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We can post it on the at morning mental Twitter or Facebook site uh, because I think it, it really is an interesting perspective into these people because I think there's a, a misconception that, well, 
these are people that are successful. These are people that have money. These are people that have achieved their goal in their field that they're working towards. They, they should be happy. They should have everything they want because they're, they're the example for everyone else. I know you and I look up to musicians like that and a motivation to do things like that. And so it, it's, I think it's a really good perspective that people need to understand that just because you have money, just because you're well off, just because you've released four, five, six, seven. I mean, in Chris Cornell's case, it was probably uh, at least a couple of hundred songs. I mean, I can't even count how many albums he's made in his entirety and they're, they're consistently good. And so to even be that level of successful, but still struggle with mental health, I, I think that's maybe something that for the longest time I wasn't aware of, and I'm really becoming open to things like that. And I think maybe that'll help other people understand as well, that just because you have nice things or you have accomplishments doesn't mean that you're, you're cured or you're done or you're, you're happy with things. So I definitely look forward to us being able to talk about that and definitely get your perspective on it. Cause I know you're going to have like a great perspective on it. Yeah. That's going to be a great topic. I'm sure we'll, we'll both have uh, plenty to say to speak on it. Oh yeah. Uh, that'll, that'll definitely be like an A plus episode. So stay tuned <laughs> in yeah. two weeks. But yeah. That's uh, that kind of sums up everything I had thought about, looked at and, and, read into over the past couple of weeks. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to mention well, or anybody you wanted to rep? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I did want to say um, I mentioned closer to the beginning of the, of the episode that I noticed a difference in your energy. Mm -hmm. I did want to say basically like you're doing good, like good job. And um, because I say that because I'm surprised that, that, that you're able to stay committed to the show because of your ADHD. The medication and, helps. Uh, well, regardless, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good. You know, I'm glad you're, you're able to make something of it and the, making one episode, you know, is one thing. Yeah. But yeah continuing it, uh, consistently finding topics to talk about and having enough to say on each of the topics in each episode is it's not easy so well i i appreciate that man yeah it's i'm definitely aware of the fact that i can i can accomplish one thing really well and then trying to continue it or replicate it ends up being a total disaster and i think I, I really enjoy this. This is something that really makes me happy. I think a lot of it is just that it, it gives me an opportunity to just kind of share what's going on with me and what I'm observing. And also it, it gives me an opportunity just to talk to you. You know, I know you are also very busy right now. And so I, this is just, is really just a nice conversation between friends that we happen to invite other people into, you know, I appreciate you sticking with me on it. And I, I could kind of feel, I think when we were getting close to the first episode, I think you were asking me, you know, like, Hey, when, when is it going to go up? And then I was also telling you about like some other crazy ideas. And I, I think I was getting a little back to that more than I could chew 
mentality. And, and so I kind of, I kind of honed it in and focused it. And so I, I appreciate you one seeing that and then two uh, sticking with me on it. Um, so thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm here for appreciate it. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. I think we've run a little long again. Yeah. I've been told that if you if you kick your playback up to like 1.5, you can knock these out in about an hour. So maybe try that if we're more than you can handle. And then, you know, exactly. You get it in 30 minutes. Put it put it on uh, Alvin and the Chipmunk speed. And- <laughs> <laughs> we'll go from there. Create me, create me. No, I don't know if I can sing that. That might be copyrighted. On to end. Well, all right, man. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get this worked out and uh, cut down, put up, and we'll uh, we'll meet back here again in uh, in two weeks, and we'll we'll do this crazy thing all over again. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna end it here. You have a good one.